Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? Many people hide a dark side that they feel that if others knew their secrets, it would be detrimental to their relationships. It doesn't need to be that way at all. This is where words can't reach. Shedding light on our dark side with your host, Dr. Madeline DeLittle can help. It's time for a frank and open discussion about the things that are bothering us and say what needs to be said. Dr. DeLittle and her guest experts are here to help you understand and provide advice. Now, here is Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Hello and welcome to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side. Here we are on the Voice of America channel. My name is Dr. Madeline DeLittle and I'm therapist and trainer in neuroscience and satir in the sound tray. My guest today is Dr. John Amodio, and he has uh, been a licensed marriage and family therapist for nearly 40 years down in San Francisco and the author of four books, one of which has got uh, called Dancing with Fire. It's a wonderful book, I must say. Uh, John has uh, conducted workshops at universities and all over the world on relationships and couples. And today he's going to talk to us about the uh, intimacy and the spiritual path towards uh, relationships. John, welcome to the radio show here today. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Yeah. I don't know if you want to begin with uh, the shiny, the shedding the light or the dark side. Where, where would you like to begin today? Uh, let's dive into the dark side first. Wonderful. We'll, we'll, we'll save you. the dessert for later. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So tell us about the dark side and your experience and what you've been. Yeah, well, it's sad, you know, because, I mean, deep down, we're all beautiful people. We have the same longing for love, for connection, for intimacy. And then somehow we try to come together in our relationships, our partnerships, even our friendships. And so often they just don't work out. There's Mm. heartache, there's abandonment, there's betrayal, Mm -hmm. there's misunderstanding, there's conflict. People blame each other, criticize each other, attack each other, and they don't seem to know how to, I mean, you know, it's part of the human condition, so I hope people don't feel any blame around this. It's, it's, it's hard to know how to come toward each other with our hearts open and really connect in a deeper way. Yeah, is it, is it, what's getting in the way? What's the block? Yeah, you know, it's a... It's a good question. What's the shadow side of all this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It seems like we have a hard time being authentic with each other. And being authentic often means being vulnerable, embracing our vulnerability, our our tender, our longings are very tender things. You know, when we were Mm -hmm. children, we, we longed for connection with our parents. We wanted healthy attachment with our parents. And often we didn't get enough of that. So, so as adults, so often we're, we're afraid, you know, we're hesitant, we shut down, we don't show all of our vulnerability, we don't show our true feelings, because we're afraid we're going to get rejected again, we're going to get criticized, we're going to get shamed, you know, shame is a big shadow part of all this, we, it's such a painful feeling, we don't want to feel humiliated or embarrassed or ashamed when we open our heart and share our tender longings and share our tender feelings, so we tend to hide and create a false self that we present to each other. So there's a lot of posturing almost. It's almost like we're dancing around each other without really connecting at a deep level. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. There's a lot of posturing, a lot of inauthenticity. We don't even know we're not being fully authentic. We're, you know, we're ruled by the shades of fear and shame that um, contaminate our 
our sharing of our authentic heart with each other. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the blaming starts. Yeah, well, you know, um, I like to use John Gottman's model. He's mm-hmm. familiar with, he's one of the foremost researchers on relationships. He did a lot of research at the University of Washington. And he found that four things are happening when people aren't, aren't connecting, when relationships tend to lead toward divorce. He calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's right. That's right. You know, yeah. These four mm-hmm. negative things, which are criticism, contempt, stonewalling, and defensiveness. Mm-hmm. So, yes, criticism. We, we criticize. We blame. We roll our eyes. We, we become sarcastic. Or we stonewall. We don't want to talk about it. You know, people with avoidant attachment styles often are doing stonewalling. They're, they don't want to talk about the relationship. And we get defensive. We, we don't want to be criticized and blamed. So we get tight in our bodies. We shut down. We say, well, I feel the same way you do. I don't feel like I'm being seen in this relationship either. Instead of just hearing each other, opening our hearts. So, yeah, criticism is a defense. Um, uh, when we're feeling vulnerable, when we have some unmet need, we, we can be critical, blaming, attacking of the other person. Instead of coming to them with, you know, I'm, I'm feeling sad about our relationship. You know, I really need you to hear how lonely I've been feeling lately. I just really miss you and I want to connect with you. It feels, it sounds so basic, doesn't it? I know, it's so simple. I feel really sad. It just, why didn't we learn that one in kindergarten? Or did we? And then the defense well, got in the way. No, and I don't think we learned it in, our, in most of us in our families, unless no. we were really lucky, had really, you know, educated and in touch parents. And it's certainly in our schools. I mean, it's starting to come into some of the school systems very, very slowly. It needs to really happen desperately. But no, we didn't learn that. It's, it, it is simple, but it's not easy. It's, it's, and you're, what you're, we're asking, what we're talking about is being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, and in order to be vulnerable, we have to be courageous to be able mm-hmm. to show our most tenderest parts of us. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not an easy thing to do, is it? No, you know, I think there's two core things. I'm glad you mentioned the courage part. Is we need to be aware, need to be mindful, need to be connected to what we're really feeling. And so we need the mindfulness, but we also need courage to be able to bring that forward and mm-hmm. take the risk. Mm-hmm. What courage means is we don't know how it's going to unfold. It could go well. It could go poorly. It's a risk. So we need inner strength. We need courage to be willing to take the risk. You know, selectively, we don't just open our hearts randomly to everybody. I mean, maybe eventually when we really have a really deep internal strength, we can do that. But we need boundaries. We need to kind of titrate it a little bit. You know, find, get a sense of who we can trust. There's a principle I like called uh, sh- um, share, check, see, share, check, share. You share a little bit about yourself, then you check and notice how you're being received. You know, is it going well? Are they hearing me? Am I feeling understood? And then if you feel kind of safe, then you share a little bit more. So you share, you kind of check inside, you share a little more. And trust gets to be built that way. Trust is a very delicate thing. It's a tender fabric that gets easily broken, but that's hard to build. It seems to me that there's there's a dual thing going on. In my experience, is that there's a desire of, incredible innate desire for connection and yet there's also an innate uh, path to, to remain ta- remain safe and what you're saying is you 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 back and forth back and forth check 
um, share check. I love that idea where you're so that you're not just over you're not overdoing it, right. and then and then and then get rejected, and yet you're not holding you're not holding back and and missing out on deep connection. So, it's a, such a fine balance, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, because we might share with somebody, and then it doesn't go well, and then we say, "You see, that confirms my view that right. relationships just don't work for me, and I should stay isolated and not mm-hmm. really trust anybody and not really share my heart with anyone." But you know, mm-hmm. if, if we want connection, and we we all do. It doesn't happen without taking a risk. That's right. And that, and that can, if we've been hurt early on, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Or at least we're going, it, we're going to be very careful that we're not hurt again. Right. And, and that's a good thing. You know, we want to be careful. We want to protect that vulnerable self. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not bad to be cautious and then get a sense of who we can trust. Right. Because there's a cost to saying, saying staying safe isn't there yes yeah trying to stay safe isn't really a very safe way to proceed if we want, <laughs> if we want intimacy in our life that's right Otherwise, so, you know, so so tell tell me more about the spiritual part of, of this let's go to the light part okay. how do we move from this posturing this this positioning of uh, trying to stay safe mm-hmm. to becoming um a deep, intimate relationship that is lasting, that isn't just a f- full, passionate mm-hmm. experience and then, then nothing. How does that, a lasting, intimate mm-hmm. relationship? Yeah, well, I think, I, I, think, I think one important piece is to have a relationship with ourselves. What does that mean? Uh, you know, we need to get in touch with what Buddhism calls our, our Buddha nature, our basic nature of being an awake, an open, connected person. Beautiful person, beautiful being. We, you know, we didn't get that message growing up often that we're beautiful beings. You know, we need to find a way, and you know, there's practices that can help us with this, like mindfulness practice, meditation practice, various spiritual practices, and you know, if we take from the best of psychology too, there's a recognition that we're, you know, we're good people inside. Can you just explain for the listeners what mindful practice is? Yeah, mindfulness practice is being aware in the moment of exactly what you're experiencing, just being with what you're noticing right now in the moment, being in the present moment without judging yourself. What am I experiencing now? Am I a little nervous? Am I a little uh, anxious? Do I have some fear? Am I feeling joy? Am I feeling angry? Am I feeling sad? It's just bringing awareness to what you're noticing right now without so judging yourself. Not changing anything, just noticing it. Just, exactly. Just being curious, it's there. So that's, it's, a, it's, just, it's not external alone, it's internal as well. What's going on in your stomach and your breathing? Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's, and it's another way to look at it, it's really accepting yourself just as you are or it's actually loving yourself, being present with yourself. There's a famous quote from Carl Rogers, the founder of Humanistic psychology said the curious paradox is that when I can accept myself just as I am, then I can change. Oh, when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. Right. So we're not busily busily trying to change ourselves, fix ourselves, think there's something wrong with us, be controlled and dominated by shame, you know, which is the sense of feeling like we're defective, we're flawed, we're a failure. That's such a big obstacle also to connecting with ourselves and each other. We, we have this shame, this, this inner sense that we're not good enough, we're not okay. 
But if we can honor our core okayness, take a breath, come into our body, come into our being, just let our being expand a little bit, let our presence be there. And, and you know, staying in our bodies can be helpful too, just staying connected to your breath, to your body, to your being, as a place to just really ground yourself. Feel your feet on the ground. What's happening in your belly? Can you let your belly be soft? Can you let your shoulders relax? Can you just come into this beautiful, precious moment, which is all the, the only moment we have, and just be here. First, starting with being here with yourself, mm-hmm. being present with yourself. Because no one can throw you off center too much if you're really grounded and connected with yourself. And whatever people do to you, criticize you, even blame you, whatever, that's their stuff. You have a good boundary there. You know yourself. You're connected to yourself. And you have no control of what people are going to say or think about you. You only have control over how you hold yourself. So what, what about the internal kind of judging that goes on that are not good enough? And, mm-hmm. you know, it goes back a long, long way, doesn't it? Some of these mm-hmm. critics well, that are, mm-hmm. are sitting there in t- inside of us. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do we quieten those? Yeah, we have these core wounds often from how we grow up. Even if we had great parents, you know, we get it from our peers or teachers or other caregivers or friends growing mm. up. I certainly got a big dose of that, so I know what it's like to be shamed. It's a really painful feeling. <laughs> you know, we don't want to feel those feelings anymore, so we tend to dissociate from them, push them away, push away any threatening feeling because it's so painful. And there was nobody to be there with us when we had those feelings. We were so alone with them. Yes. So, so it's helpful to honor them, to share them with people you trust or with a therapist or a teacher or mm-hmm. someone you can really open to and, and just kind of begin to normalize those feelings. It's okay to have all those feelings. It just means you're human to have those feelings. It doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. So just to be present with our felt experience just as it is. So, yes, yeah, shame is important. So just kind of notice when shame comes up, have a little space from it. You know, shame is it's often the water we're swimming in. We don't even notice it. It's just part of the, the field we live in. So to begin to get some space from it, okay, so that's shame operating. I just said something I thought was dumb, and now I'm shutting down. My stomach's really tight. But it's okay. You know, we all have shame. We all say dumb things sometimes. It's not the end of the world. And you know, I can recover and just get back on track. And uh, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. It just means I'm human, and it probably makes me even more... Um, more contactful to other people because nobody likes to be with perfect people, really. <laughs> we don't have to be perfect. <laughs> no. I, I, the uh, the um, experience I had recently, and, and maybe you could speak to this, was um, that there was actually some positive intentions of, of, a bit of a critic. I don't know if you want to go there, but that seemed to come up for me, in, a, in a, some work I was doing recently with some people and how it actually they, the, the critic had, they were able to appreciate that part of them that had been critical and it was very, very uh, transformative. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes people can identify it as an inner critic, as a voice that speaks to them. Oh, you're never going to find love in your life. You're not good enough. You're not smart mm-hmm. enough. And then some people feel it more as like a shame, which is kind of more in your body, like, oh, the sinking feeling. Ooh. Yes, it just touches everything, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of oil. You know how oil can mm. stick to every part mm-hmm. of you. So well, I, want to, I want to hear more about this, this spiritual part that, you know, is it, you talk about the, the Buddhist uh, premises mm. here, the under, underpinnings. Is, are you a practicing Buddhist yourself? Uh, I, I meditate, yeah. Um, I, I really like Buddhism. I've been 
learning about Buddhism since, you know, for the last 45 years. So I've been pretty steeped and immersed in Buddhism. Um, I don't like to I have any particular label about myself, but I, I would say that I really like and have learned a lot from Buddhism. But we don't. You don't have to be a Buddhist to be able to experience this. What what you're what you're talking about today around? No, this. no. I don't like isms. You know, any kind of yeah. you identify yourself with on this or on that. You, you can kind of limit it. You know. That's I mean, right. Bo- it would put some people off. I think. Well, there's a famous saying in Buddha in Zen Buddhism: If you see the Buddha on the road, kill him. Wow. Which is kind of a, maybe a strange comment. What it means yes. is my understanding of it is any kind of ism, any kind of identification with. Is, is limiting you know if you think you know what buddhism is or what the buddha is kill your idea of what buddhism is is what, what that really means any ideas you have about buddhism or spirituality isn't quite it so keep letting go keep letting go and moving on to the actual experience of, of being awake so you're talking more around our spiritual path rather than a religious path. path exactly yeah, yeah exactly it's not okay. about you know yeah it's not about our belief system that's all structures in our head you know constructs that we cling to and any kind of clinging in buddhism is what creates suffering including clinging to our ideas or even our ideas about buddhism Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so what do you mean by um developing this interpersonal engaging spiritually interpersonally with with somebody else engaging with them yes yeah an interpersonally engaging approach to spirituality because you know a lot of times we use our spirituality to avoid. There's a term called spiritual bypassing where we use our spiritual beliefs to bypass our feelings. And we, you know, we think, for example, spirituality is about being detached. You know, I don't get too attached to anybody. I used to believe this. So I, you know, I, I used to do that too, just to be detached from everybody, detached from people. And um, it doesn't really, that's not what really Buddhism teaches. You know, it's about being not attached to some things so that we can be more connected to other things. It's not about just living a disconnected life. Because we, we want, I mean, it's, it's okay to have desire. It's just part of being human is to have longing and mm-hmm. desire. It's not about being detached from those things. It's about having a wise relationship with our desires and how to work with them, how to dance with fire is the title of my book, Dancing with Fire. How to work with that fire, the, the fire, those energies in a skillful way so we don't get burned by them. And I can tell you um, a story that I like that I mentioned in, in my book is, have, have you heard of Martin Buber? He's a popular yes. Jew, Jewish yes. theologian, yes. philosopher, Jewish philosopher. I really like him a lot. So one day, as the story goes, he was a teacher. He was in his room meditating and praying. And then some student came to him and wanted to talk to him. And so he met the student. He just he was very polite with the student. But he wanted to get back to his meditation practice. So they had a brief meeting, and then the student left. And later, he heard the student killed himself. And oh. this was really this was really horrifying to Martin Buber. And he realized that you know his spiritual practice was distracting him from from being in the moment with that student, being really present with that person who was suffering and needed some attention and some caring. So it really changed. It really turned Martin Buber around, and he realized that spirituality is not about having transcendent experiences. It's about being in the moment in our interactional life, being here, here now with people, and having a, having a spiritually engaging, having interpersonally engaging kind of spirituality. So then he wrote the book "I and Thou," That's right. about, yes. wrote "I and Thou" from that perspective, being in relationship with, you know, not making people into objects, but really seeing them in their wholeness and their beauty and their goodness. 
and mm-hmm. and and he wrote the it's a very classic book. Mm-hmm. In the 1960s. So this this connecting spiritually is about going back to what you first said was about being authentic. You can't do it unless you're authentic, That's unless right. you're vulnerable and co- courageous. I think Bernie Brown talks about uh, being vulnerable and courageous words mm-hmm. like that. So being genuine in who you are it's in order that you can have what compassion and con- deep connection with somebody else so yeah yeah with yourself and with other people exactly mm-hmm. and so it's how, how does one do that well one point i think the good news in this is you know once as you become more comfortable being vulnerable it doesn't even feel so vulnerable anymore it just feels natural you just live with your heart open, and it's a beautiful way to live. You're with nature. You notice the trees and the leaves and the wind that I'm looking out the window right now. And you notice more the beauty around you, and you just live in this more tender-hearted place. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a beautiful place to be. It even doesn't feel so vulnerable anymore. It just feels tender. It feels open. It feels connected. So how do you do it is your question. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the million. It's like being and not doing. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yes. It's resting more in being because our culture emphasizes more doing, achieving, accomplishing, kind of being on the, in this rat race kind of a mentality. It's really being driven. You're being kind of aggressive. And, you know, maybe we have to have some of that kind of energy in, in our business life, depending on what work we do. But, but yeah, to, to more and more cultivate this place of and find a refuge in ourselves. I like Tara Brock's work. She's a psychologist and meditation teacher. Some really good books. Radical Acceptance is one of her books. It's just really totally accepting ourselves as we are, the full range of our feelings. That's why I like this method called focusing that I use a lot. It's, it's a really helpful path to connecting with our body and just how we're holding ourselves, learning to hold our feelings with compassion, with loving kindness, with gentleness. And, and, and as Buddhism teaches, everything changes. When we be with what is, even the most scary, hurting places, they shift, they change as we learn to be with them in a caring, gentle mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So we're developing this caring, feeling presence toward the full range of our feelings and they begin to shift and pass, and we learn from our feelings too. Often they have a message for us. They're trying to tell us something. Yeah, and our bodies have a message for us too, mm-hmm. don't they, to listen yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. Is part, um, part of this learning how to repair when there's mm-hmm. been a break in the relationship? Is that part of um, what, your, what, what, what's, what your work is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to heal. We often do a lot of healing, especially healing shame. Because mm-hmm. we often we're stymied by shame. And then shame binds, a binding emotion. It binds with all of our other feelings. So when we have hurt, we think something's wrong with us because we're hurting. Are we grieving the loss of somebody? We think we should be over this relationship by now, but, but we're not. We're still feeling sad. It's okay to... So shame makes us feel, oh, so what's wrong with me for still having this feeling? So yes... Just- Let's continue this conversation after the break, John, because we're now going to a commercial break. And uh, just to remind listeners that we're listening to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side on Voice America on the Empowerment Channel. My name is Dr. Madeline DeLittle, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Music. 
Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you want to know more about how to work with children and adults to transform shame, depression, loss, and anxiety, order Dr. DeLittle's book, Where Words Can't Reach, Neuroscience and the Satir Model in the Sand Tray. The book is available online from Dr. DeLittle's website, wherewordscannotreach.com. Dr. DeLittle also conducts workshops and can come to your workplace or organization. If you wish to have Dr. DeLittle come and do a two-day workshop on an introduction to neuroscience and satire in the Santray, please contact her at mdelittle at gmail.com. Mental illness affects more people than you might think. Now there's a program that showcases support resources, how many people in our society view mental illness, and how the culture surrounding it is changing. Listen for We Are Hope with co-founder and host Sean Perry. Mental health is being seen as a public health crisis, and we want to help, support, and listen. You'll hear the discussions and conversations that need to happen. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Where Words Can't Reach shedding light on our dark side. We'd love to hear from you with any stories, suggestions, or questions by sending an email to mthelittle at gmail.com. Here again is Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Hello and welcome back to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side on Voice America on the Empowerment Channel. My name's Dr. Madeline DeLittle and uh, our guest today is Dr. John Amodio who's talking about the spiritual path to intimacy. Welcome back, John. Thanks so much. Yeah, we were talking about uh, ruptures in relationships because it's it, it isn't just going to happen perfectly all the time, 24-7. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that around how, right. how to communicate when there's, when there's hurt, basically? Well, there's a concept um, called uh, rupture and repair. I mean, relationships, there's always going to be ruptures of trust. But that can be the good news is we can repair those ruptures of trust. Even in the best of relationships, there's going to be broken trust, moments of that. So instead of giving up or saying, see, this relationship isn't working, we need to kind of work skillfully, mindfully, compassionately when we feel trust has been broken and we feel hurt. So one thing couples can do is go to each other with their hurt. Now, when you said that to me, I just felt really, really sad. I felt really hurt by your comment. You know, I just needed to hear that. Instead of saying, what's wrong with you? You're always attacking me. Instead of getting defensive, in other words, which is easy to do. Because, you know why? Because we go into the fight-flight mode. Our brain is, our amygdala, our limbic system is geared to scanning the environment for danger. Real or imagined dangers. We're very tuned into that. You know, because our ancestors had to deal with these dangers in order to survive. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't deal successfully with even just one danger in their environment, you know, whether it was a wild animal or somebody even from our own species who's attacking us, you know, we'd be dead if we didn't deal skillfully and fend off that one danger. So, you know, we survived as a species because we were tuned into danger. We found ways to avoid it. 
So now we, we perceive, we, you know, we perceive danger. We tend to react in, a, in maybe not wild animals, or we tend to react in the same way. We we get it's the same system, you know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the same yeah. nervous nervous system. We still have the same nervous system that has a tendency of um, a tendency to get activated. So we have to work with that. And that's what we're up against: is our limbic system, is the, the fight, flight, freeze response that can come up when there's real or imagined danger. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're imagined. Yeah, so yeah. we so we need to find ways to soothe ourselves. The concept of self soothing is very important to bring that to our through our relationships. So we come into our body, finds ways to ground ourselves, feel our feet on the ground, feel our legs, feel our arms staying in our body. You know, to resource ourselves. This is a term mm-hmm. often used when working with trauma, working with people with trauma to resource people. So they're in a more resourced place when they're dealing with something that's stressful or threatening or overwhelming. So if we feel overwhelmed by what somebody says, a critical comment, a judgment toward us, take a breath, slow down. Okay, come back into yourself. You know, find ways to soothe yourself. And then come to your partner or your friend and say, you know, I felt kind of hurt when you said this. You know, I just need you to hear that. You know, and if we say it in a good way without attacking, you know, we say it in like an NVC kind of way, the Marshall Rosenberg's really good work with nonviolent communication. That's really a helpful thing for people to learn. So we just share from our feeling using I statements. This I is how say, I feel. It sounds, yeah, basic I message. Yeah, this is how I feel. This mm-hmm. is what I. This is what I need. You know, I just really need more gentleness from you. Or, you know, or, or patience. I know I said I was going to call you if I was going to be late, and I didn't call. I know you're angry about that. You have a right to feel angry and. And uh, you know, I feel sad. I feel some shame that I blew it and didn't call you. I'm really sorry. And I'll, you know, I'll try to do better next time. My, my background partly is in restorative justice and taking, mm-hmm. which teaches about taking responsibility for the, your part mm-hmm. in that rupture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's um, a, a breath of fresh air when you could say, I, I take full responsibility for slamming the door. and so that it's it's not it's not um it's it's taking ownership of of the of the of their part in the conflict and that and that is another piece that's really important that doesn't get uh doesn't we don't use it enough yeah that's that's a hugely hugely important piece and Mm -hmm. uh, and john gottman talks about this too in terms of that that um, st- when we were stonewalling, we don't want to talk about things. So we get defensive. You know, one antidote to that kind of defensiveness is taking responsibility even for a small part of the issue. You know, so if you're upset with me because I was late or I didn't call, I can own that. I'm, so- I'm really yeah. sorry. You're, you're right. I, you know, mm-hmm. I really blew it there. I feel bad about that. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that can be a real relief to you to know that I'm, t- I'm owning that. I'm taking responsibility for that. Take the well, well, out. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> instead I could get defensive, but I could say, well, you're late sometimes too. You know, don't blame me. You know, you do it too. Don't blame me for that. And that would be my defensiveness. That would be my reaction from probably my own shame because I feel so bad that I did that. And I don't want to feel those awful feelings of shame. But shame, it's not a big deal. We all have shame sometimes. It can be healthy, too. You know, shame isn't always toxic. There's toxic shame. There's healthy shame. I've written a lot about healthy shame, one of my favorite topics. Can you so, distinguish the two now? Is it, did, did, yeah, if you go, Give me you the Google, short version. <laughs> and if you Google healthy shame, I might, lately my article's been the first one that comes up if people want to read about it. But, but yeah, toxic shame is, you know, that it really intense shame will... 
you are defective or I feel like I am really defective. I am really, I've got a core flaw in me. There's something basically wrong with me. And that permeates my whole existence and it mm-hmm. makes me guarded and defensive and, and I see the world through the filter of that toxic shame. So, you know, we need to catch on to that and heal that and realize where that comes from. That's not us. That's what we internalize from the messages we got from yes. our environment growing up. It's not who we really are. And healthy shame now. Does yeah. it still fit? Right. Probably yeah. not. And healthy shame is, okay, so I step on your toe, you know, step on your foot. And it's, oh, my God, I feel bad. It's like when we hurt somebody. Because yeah, we don't want, we don't intentionally want to hurt anybody, but we say something that's kind of you know, maybe we're trying to make a joke and it didn't go well, and the person felt offended, and it wasn't really a very good joke. Or, or we step on somebody's foot, you know, and we feel a little bit of shame, or just a little bit. We don't need a whole lot, just a, just kind of light yes. shame, just a light sense of oh, okay, I hurt somebody, and I don't want to do that. I, I feel a little bad about that. It's mm-hmm. not the end of the world. We can repair it. Yes. Just by simply, you know, by saying, you know, when we have toxic shame, it's really hard to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Please forgive me. I was I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I said I would call and I didn't. I'm so sorry. You know, when we have toxic shame, it's hard to do that because we 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 don't know how to take responsibility without quickly flipping into toxic shame. So we need to kind of do some dissect those two responsibility is not the same as blaming yourself no shaming yourself that's that takes a lot of courage and inner strength just to be able to say i'm I'm really sorry i I really blew that wow i i don't want to do that i don't want to hurt you i feel bad about that you know just a little bit of shame or sadness about it and it seems that saying sorry for is seen as a weakness uh, like somehow it's it's I mean, we we don't want to go into the the uh, the zeitgeist of the moment, but there seems to be uh, it's it seems to be very difficult for, for for some folks to actually be able to just simply say I I'm sorry I I take responsibility for this, you know, and that's such an important step, isn't it? Mm-hmm, absolutely, and it takes a lot of courage. I mean, that's what real strength is, and real yeah. strength is to be able to say I was wrong. I'm sorry. You know, it's kind of like an emotional, I don't like to use judgmental words, but sometimes it's helpful to look at it this way. <laughs> it's kind of like an emotional weakness to not be able to say I'm sorry or I was wrong. You know, we're so fragile. There's such an inner fragility that we can't say I, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So it, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, courage to, to say it. And it, it can actually feel good. To, I mean, that's being authentic. It's part of authenticity is when we... Do something that violates somebody's boundaries or hurts them in some way and you know, take responsibility for that. It seems to me that we can't wait in, in, in relationships until there's conflict in order to uh, be able to suddenly come out with these terms and take responsibility. It seems like it's a, we have to practice. It has to be part of who we are all day and every day. It can't just sort of be uh, used as a tool, if you like. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, we've got to live and breathe this piece. Can you speak to that a bit more? Well, uh, I think it, you mean to embody it more and more in our life. Right? Embody, so. embody this sense of, well, what you're talking about is this intimacy through a spiritual path. And also... Um, being being vulnerable to making mistakes for some mm. folks, it's just mm. just 
devastating to make any kind of mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be really horrifying for people to make a mistake because we have this belief, this functional belief that we have to be perfect. And perfection usually comes from, guess what, shame. Because, because if we're perfect, nobody can shame us. No one can criticize us. So a lot of things kind of quietly come from this place of shame. So if we, if we try, if we're perfect, if we don't make mistakes, nobody can criticize us. And my father can't yell at me anymore. My mother can't criticize me. It's so painful to be criticized. I'm going to have to really be, learn to be perfect. And then no one can shame me or criticize me ever again. But, but guess what? It's, that's impossible. Nobody's yes. perfect. We can't be perfect. Yes. And it's okay. We don't have to be perfect. We can make mistakes and be uh, flex, be graceful about it, be resilient. I mean, the key is resiliency, to learning how to be resilient. Tell me more about the term resilient. Well, it means, you know, we, we, we dance gracefully with life. You know, things, oh, lovely. You know, can you just say that again? We dance gracefully with life. That's right. It's beautiful. Sorry, things, interrupt you. That's okay. Things happen that we don't like, that don't feel good. Well, guess what? That's part of life. Things aren't going to feel good. We're going to feel rejected sometimes. Not, not everybody in the world, and this is hard for me to get, but not everybody in the world is going to love me. As, wow. as wonderful as I am, no one, not everybody's going to like me. I have no control over that. All I have control over is doing, doing my best, not, not to be perfect, just doing my best to be myself, to be authentic. You know, to live an ethical life, that's all I can do is learn from my mistakes. You know, the tragedy is not making a mistake, it's if we don't learn and grow from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, you know, some, some bigger mistakes than just stepping on somebody's foot, because we all make those kind of mistakes every day. It doesn't have to be a big deal. But, you know, if we make a mistake that has some consequence, you know, maybe in a relationship or something, we learn from it, we grow from it, we, we hopefully don't keep repeating it. This uh, this being in relationship is is such a a complex mm. process that uh, we're being asked to do mm. without much training or or education mm-hmm. or a, or a support. It's just it's assumed that we are able to navigate mm-hmm. uh, each other for thirty forty years in some cases, and yet it's so so tender so difficult mm-hmm. it's no wonder that folks just give up because it's mm. it takes it takes awareness number one of mm. of who you are and then who you are in that relationship right it's no wonder people give up and it's no wonder we have an epidemic of loneliness in our society i mean there's studies about this there's a lot of people feel very lonely very disconnected very isolated it's not good for our health. It's not good for our immune system. It's not good for our soul. But is it is it a choice, or because it's safer to be alone? Yeah, I think I think that's it. It's you know, from a Buddhist viewpoint, in terms of clinging, creating suffering, we kind of cling to that pseudo sense of safety, that false sense of safety, by staying disconnected mm-hmm. instead and, of yeah. And yet we we so are hardwired for connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. So no wonder we're suffering. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we want to connect, and you know, and it, it can start with connecting with ourselves, connecting with nature. You know, often we're not in nature enough. Nature can be very healing. Just to be outside and have the natural light, and look at the beautiful trees and plants. I mean, that's really good for our immune system, actually. To, to be in nature. So we can connect with ourselves, we can connect with nature, and yes, we can connect with each other. And 
you know, take risks to reach out, to go to events where there's going to be people and you know, mingle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, put a personal ad on to, to, to find a potential partner. It's, you know, it can be stressful, but it's, um, you know, there, there are ways to reach out. There are groups to join. There's, there's therapy available. There are resources we can tap into. We can read books. That's why I write, to try to educate people about these things and speak or, there are talks we can go to, There's art, art events we can go to, things that nurture us. It's never too late, is it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, our brains, can you speak about that, or how our brains can adapt and change? And yeah, the learn. brain has, been, has learned, you know, I think the research has shown, you know, neuroscientists talk about the plasticity of the brain. There's, our brain can change. It, it, it takes a willingness on our part to to move in that direction, to take a path that leads to, to positive mm-hmm. change. And just try, try new things. I mean, you, you know, the, the definition of insanity that's going around is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> try and, something and, new. Yeah. Try something different. Take a risk. If it doesn't go well, then you learn something. You don't beat yourself up or give up because it didn't go well. You know, you learn something in the process. You're alive. You're taking risks. You're living your life. It's part of living. It's- so these these uh, so many of our listeners today will have um, been in a number of relationships and uh, have have uh, been doing the same thing and moving to a next one and that didn't work out mm-hmm. and that's and, and so that would be a, a wake up call would it not mm-hmm. for saying okay something something needs i need to look at this again mm-hmm. this is about me not about them it could be something we're unconscious of that we were putting out that created distance or disconnection in the relationship it could be a poor choice that we made you know, maybe we had some initial early warning signs that we didn't listen to. Or maybe there were things early on we weren't happy about, but we didn't want to address them. And if we addressed those things at an earlier moment, either we would have worked it through or we would have decided to leave earlier. So instead of being in the relationship for two years, we might have been in it for two months or maybe two weeks and realize this is not going to work. So we become more discerning, more discerning, more more wise about what's going to make a relationship work, what you need in a relationship. You, know, you probably need good communication, for example. You know, are you and is your partner capable of talking about your feelings and being vulnerable with mm-hmm. each other? And do you feel connected when you talk to each other in this soulful kind of way? And what about love and betrayal, John? You, you're, you've written about a lot about this and the broken trust. What, mm-hmm. Can you speak to that when, when it's... That would, that's a very, that's in a different category, is it not? When yeah, we, yeah, we could do a whole uh, interview on, on love and betrayal because that's the name of my book, Love and Betrayal. But yeah, abandonment, betrayal, there's different kinds of betrayals. It's not just infidelity, which is the big one. But there can be kind of a, um, hidden betrayals. Like we don't, we betray our partner by not extending our attention to them, trying to understand that. That can be kind of a betrayal, kind of betraying, the, breaking the trust. Um, so there's, there's breaking of spoken agreements and there's breaking unspoken agreements. You know, we probably have a monogamous agreement. That's probably a spoken agreement. But there's also these unspoken agreements that we're going to you know, do our best to understand each other, really hear each other. Often we don't hear well. We're not, we don't listen well. That's, that's an important part of relationships is listening. 
And, and when you talk about unspoken agreements, they there's pro, uh, sort of proportionally there's more. Is there? Would you say more of these unspoken? Yeah, I think I so. I would say rules, but they're unspoken. Yeah, for, expectations, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For example, that we're going to respect each other. For example, have respect for each other, not be verbally abusive to each other, not attack each other with our words, which can be very hurtful. I would, I would love to invite you back, actually, for, for just that uh, that topic on love and betrayal and broken trust, because I think that's uh, that you you've opened something that. Uh, perhaps is new to our listeners, which it's not just simply about infidelity. It's about these, these micro betrayals, mm-hmm. these, these that build up mm-hmm. and they, and they become, they become, and um, they get in the way of, of true con- communication. So I, I would love to uh, invite you to consider coming back again on another okay, day. Sure. That would because be lovely. Because yeah. these little betrayals lead, lead to, lead to abandonment or separation. We, you know, relationships, what people say when they end their relationship is things like we drifted apart. But they don't know what that means. Why did we drift apart? Well, we weren't really listening. We weren't being respectful. We weren't being attentive to each other. So, yeah, how trust gets broken and how can we build trust? What needs to happen to build trust in relationships is a big topic. It's it's fundamental, isn't it, to, mm. to the human condition that mm. we need to trust. We need predictability. That's what creates that secure relationship mm-hmm. in, yeah. in, in mother-child relationships. That exactly. Predictability and then, and then repairing if that predictability mm-hmm. it gets broken. And and it's the same in in uh, intimate relationships, well, well, any other relationships yeah. too. And uh, when that goes awry, then it's very unsettling, mm. and it can cause us to uh, become defensive. And so yeah, the cycle goes on. Exactly, because what we want is you know what's been called secure attachment rather than anxious attachment or avoidance kind of attachment style where we, yes. where we avoid intimacy. So we want to move toward secure attachment, right. which and the word attachment, it, it simply means connection. Yeah. We want to feel securely connected with each other, you know, if, with ourselves and with others. We want this safe, secure connection. So yeah, that's a big question. How do we build that? There, there isn't any education about that in our society. So, you know, finding a therapist who works with attachment kinds of issues can be really helpful, mm-hmm. get some guidance on these things, and it can be a great investment in our, in our future. This is um, moving, moving away from the spiritual path, but I, it, it often in couples we come in a relationship with an insecure attachment. Mm-hmm. And so that just gets amplified in the relationship mm-hmm. because of, of what went on in our very early on first two years of life, isn't it? Something yeah. very early, really early. Even in the womb, I think they're saying now that with mm-hmm. this, this lack of predictability, this lack of con- consistency creates this uh, internal sense of, of um, being scared a lot yeah. of the time. Mm-hmm. Ambivalence or being yeah, fear get paralyzed with that and that can become a template for the rest of our life to look through life through this filter of fear and anxiety mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not feeling safe and so yeah the big question you know the, is how do we build how do we feel safer in the world that's a big question how do we feel safer in ourselves 
finding people we can connect with and uh, building relationships that are healthy and you know, spiritually engaging, spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy. So we've, we have to um, wind up at this wonderful conversation, John. Do, uh, how would you like to sum up your work that uh, has brought you to this point? Yeah, well, um, I think it's important to, to have some faith. You know, if we go back to the spiritual context is, you know, have faith in life, have faith in ourselves and um, be open to possibilities, not to shut down and live in a small world, but be open to the possibilities that we could be happier. We can live with more joy in our life. Mm-hmm. And what that's going to take is finding ways to stay really connected to ourselves through some kind of, whether we call it a spiritual practice or meditation practice, um, find things that are going to resource us, that are going to help us feel good. And for, It's different for different people. Um, you know, being in nature, dancing, I like to go to the gym, you know, Diet mm-hmm. and nutrition and exercise are a really helpful piece to build into your life as much as possible. So we're physically healthy and are taking care of the temple of the spirit. Oh, that's beautiful. Taking care of the temple of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at it holistically. It's not just simply one dimensional. It's, it's a, all, all, all elements of food and the exercise mm-hmm. and the... Mm-hmm. And, in order to bring about, it just seems like you're describing peace to me, inner mm-hmm. peace. Yeah, these acceptance. are the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the ingredients toward finding inner peace, is what, which is what we all want. We want to feel mm-hmm. this inner peace. We want to feel more joy in our life, at least more moments of joy, more moments of peace. It's never going to be like a search for this mythical kind of enlightenment where all of us right. were finally just going to live happily ever after. It's always going to be rhythms of sadness, discomfort, things that we're not comfortable with, and then things we're comfortable with, joyful moments, happy moments, connected moments. It's going to be this dance between all of these things. So we need to make room for all of it and just flow with it, learn to flow with that, be resilient around it. John, thank you so much for this. I've really enjoyed our time together, and hopefully you will come back and talk about our broken trust in intimate relationships. Sounds thank good. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thank You're you. You're very welcome. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side. My name is Dr. Madeline DeLittle here on Voice America on the Empowerment Channel. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening this week to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Please join us for another edition of the program next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.